the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Howdy, folks. Mangy Fedlocks here. Hey, we finally got internet. A little contrast of Trump and Biden. One is a rapist, and one's kind of old. One is a racist, and the other's kind of old. One's an insurrectionist, and the other's kind of old. One is a con man, and the other's kind of old. One is a fascist, and the other one's old. One is fathead, the other's kind of old. One is clown, and the other's kind of old. Wait, wait, wait. One's going down, and the other's kind of old. They're both old. Trump's better than Biden when it comes to doing crimes. That he still has followers is reflective of our times. Biden's an old grandpa, meanwhile Trump's a crock of slime. Idiots vote for Trump, so there's no chance at all that I am. One's been indicted, and the other's kinda old. One's past is blighted, the other's kinda old. One is a shite, and the other's kinda old. One's just a fright, and the other's kinda old. But wait! Older by uh, three years. Ah. Doesn't seem like a lot. No, it doesn't. Thank you, Mangy Fetlocks, our pal Bruce W. Nelson. And I should, I need to have faith in our friend Bruce because he knows that uh, the, the former guy is old, too. When you're 77 or 80, three years is not a big difference. Three years is a big difference when you're three and six or seven and 10. You know, it's, it's a world apart. But my God. All right. Um, breaking news. MSNBC canceled Mehdi Hassan's show. Now, I've been a big fan of Mehdi Hassan's for years. Um, tried many times to get him on the show and I finally gave up because... Um, he ignored me, but that's okay. I get it. Not really, but okay. Um, still went out of my way to watch his show. I even for a while subscribed to Peacock, not for long, but, um, anyway, uh, of late, I have not appreciated his, what I perceive as very one-sided coverage of the war, but I didn't think he needed to be canceled. You know, what MSNBC did to him is um, sort of like what KPFK did to me. Somebody didn't, I guess, didn't like his views, didn't like my views, and cancel. That's what you do, you cancel. No, you don't. You let people state their views. I know I, I, I'm not always great at that, but I'm working on it. Um, with that, I do, I want to share with you an email that I got yesterday that... Um, that really sort of spoke to me. So, um, all right. So, oh, I, I got to say, so Charlene, before I get to this, Charlene posted the new MSNBC weekend lineup. The weekend, which will be hosted by Alicia Menendez, and she's not bad. 
I mean, she's a good news reader, which is what she does. And she seems pretty smart and informed. Um, Simone Sanders Townsend and Michael Steele. Oh, I see. No, the weekend will be hosted by Alicia Menendez, Simone Sanders Townsend and Michael Steele. Oh, my God. It'll debut on January 13th and air at 8 a.m. Eastern on both Saturdays and Sundays. So that'll be six Eastern here. I'm up because Jackson gets me up, but I will not be watching. Simone Sanders, now Townsend, I don't get. I don't get. So I first met Simone when she used to answer the phones at um, Lori Wallach's office over at, well, she used to be a public citizen at um, uh, tradewatch.org. And Simone Sanders couldn't have been a bigger bitch. And it takes one to know one. So I know of what I speak. Horrible. I just, I couldn't stand her then because she was so sanctimonious and asshole-ish. And then I watched her fail upwards and it just blew my mind. First that Bernie hired her. Like, are you kidding me? And then, and then she gets a job in the vice president's office. I'm like, I, I, I can't, I just, I just can't. Right. So Michael Steele, the former <laughs> director of the RNC gets a show on MSNBC, but Mehdi Hassan is canceled. What's wrong with this picture? Go back and listen to Monday's show. Drift Glass was on with me and this was the conversation we had. I know Simone worked for Bernie. Rick, you got to listen when I'm speaking. Anyway, sorry, talking to people in the chat room who you would think would be listening to the show that they're chatting about, but it's okay. It's all right. Have fun in there. I need to stop looking at the chat because that's what um, got me into this Trouble to begin with, but, but I think it's a blessing in disguise. So yesterday, yesterday, um, I had a very special guest on Deborah Ben, and I'm going to mispronounce her name. So I'm not even going to say it. Deborah, who is an American Israeli who was living in Israel for the last uh, 12 and a half years. And, um, basically she and her family narrowly escaped on, uh, October 7th. They, they had, uh, somebody very diligent at the gate of their kibbutz who realized that the people dressed in IDF uniforms uh, and driving IDF trucks um, were Hamas, that they had killed the Israeli soldiers and taken their uniforms and their trucks, and they were attempting to get into the kibbutz where she was living, just about a mile and a half from the border with Gaza, just north. Um. Otherwise, their fate would have been the same as, uh, you know, a thousand or so other people in kibbutz, um, I'm learning, uh, in the area. Anyway, when she was on, um, and look, we were, we were speaking of a subject that was fraught with um, horrific imagery, uh, with just things that no human should have to live through. Um, and experiences that most people didn't realize Israelis lived under. You know, all we hear from the American media is Israel keeps bombing the fuck out of Gaza. Well, you know, the rockets have been flying in both directions for a long, long time. Anyway, I just wanted, because, because 
Frankly, the experience of average Israelis has not been well represented in the media. And so I wanted to, um, um, uh, to, to give that viewpoint because I believe in spreading truth here, despite what you get in the corporate media, MSNBC. Hello. Anyway, during the interview towards the end, well, during the interview, Deborah made a statement that was kind of callous. I got where she was coming from. She could have said it more diplomatically when she said, tough shit, there's casualties in war. You know, look, she was telling a very emotional um, story about her family escaping narrowly with their lives. Um, And there are casualties in war. That's the nature of war. That's why war sucks. That's why many of us have resurrected the old war is not healthy for children and other living things poster. It was a poster back in the 70s. But um, I had glanced over at the chat and I noticed that one of the chatters wrote, quote, there's casualties in war, tough shit, end quote, got it loud and clear. And I saw that and all I'm thinking is, that's what this person is taking away from this whole interview? Yeah, it was one line very clumsily said and, and maybe callously, I, I give. But I thought if that's all you're taking away from this, then you don't get it. Here's the problem with things like internet chat rooms, and especially someone who's hosting a show and occasionally glancing over at the chat and, um, you know, getting one line out of context um, and, and not seeing everybody in the chat every day. I assumed that the person who wrote that was a troll because we go figure we get them from time to time. Yeah, I know. Really? What? Really? You're coming to my little show? Okay. You know, more power to you. But I got an email last night and it stopped me in my tracks because he was 100% spot on. And in the hours since, this gentleman and I, and I, and I used the term um, uh, implicitly, I, I, I hate when, when a newscaster will refer to some, you know, asshole criminal and, and, and refer to them as a gentleman. That is not a gentleman. <laughs> in this case, it is. So, um, uh, yesterday, um, uh, so, so let me just read to you the email that I got from the person who was chatting in the chat room as Geoduce, D-E-U-S. And I think that's how, probably how I, I couldn't, as Geoduce, Geoduce, because uh, it might, ignorance, whatever. Geo, I'll call him Geo. So I get this email and he writes, hi, Nicole. I felt compelled to write to you directly because I feel like a difference of opinion in what I perceive to be a very callous statement by your guest prompted me to respond by quoting her with, there's casualties in war, tough shit. Got it loud and clear. Following my statement, you called me out and labeled me a troll. I took this personally because while I have not yet contributed to you financially, I have been a steadfast advocate for you 
and the Nicole Sandler show. I've told countless people about you and your show. I respect and believe in both your ability and your mission. I recognize your honesty and the courage displayed to implement it as I listen to you speaking truth to power. I like you and much more. Oh, sorry. Not I like you. I like you. No comma there. I like you and much more the lion and less the lamb. And so your fiery nature is relatable to me. I inhabited a hostile Midwest environment growing up as a black male during the literal drug law, during the literal drug wars of the mid 80s to the late 90s. So I have witnessed true carnage right here in the streets of America. In addition, I endured the vitriolic and abhorrent racism of good old Midwest folks in settings both rural and urban. I've seen the KKK and neo-Nazi skinheads in their native environments. I've been refused gas service or I've been refused service, sorry, at gas stations and even restaurants like a McDonald's in Lebanon, Missouri, where every black student on the school bus taking us to Fort Leonard Wood for summer ROTC camp watched as the cashiers backed away from their registers and stared at us in silence until we left their line, only to serve our white classmates with courtesy and smiles. These things happened in the 80s and 90s. He continues, I've stood at the trunk uh, on my car, or I have stood at the trunk on my car for an hour wearing only a long sleeve t-shirt while four white policemen sat, sat in their cars watching the ice from a freezing rainstorm collect in my hair and soak me to the bone. By contrast, I've been forced to lay down on scorching summer asphalt while rush hour traffic squeezed by the three squad cars parked behind me on a two-lane suburban Kansas City highway. Not even a ticket issued for my improperly displayed license plate. I was surrounded and held at gunpoint by, by a combined law enforcement at the Battlefield Mall parking lot in Springfield, Missouri, because, quote, your vehicle matched a vehicle that was involved in an armed robbery. I was with a fellow Eagle Scout on a night out during a summer of working at the H. Roe Bartle Scout Reservation. I could go on and on. The education of racism that I received until I left the Midwest was Ph.D. level. It could have shaped my points of view and outlook as easily as it shaped those of many other black people that I grew up with. It nearly did. Really, what I'm trying to say is this. You've stated that the atrocities of October 7th caused you, an atheist, we have this in common, non-practicing Jew, to look at your heritage in a different way. You, You described it as flipping a switch. I did. Because I experienced so many more negative experiences than a person my age should have had to experience, I too once flipped that switch. I became so defensive and hostile that I nearly lost all direction in so many of the people that matter to me. Skin color was beginning to matter to me as I prejudged people in order to protect myself from hurt and even betrayals. My moral compass and my native intellectual curiosity foundered. 
Recovery took a complete change of scenery and lots of disengagement from my black friends who at the time were inhaling all parts, good and horrendous, of a pro-black movement that encouraged social change and racial justice, quote, by all means necessary. I was in a spiral. After extricating myself from it, I later recognized that I was being radicalized. The switch that flipped was only made possible by an echo chamber of fear. I could go through many different types of fears, but the types aren't the point. Recognizing that fear is there and the personal vulnerability that it metastasizes is what truly matters. Fear is the absolute enemy of measured rational thought. Emotion can be anything from a powerful tool to an insidious trap. I think you, like many others, are becoming vulnerable to it because of an incredible number of challenges, life changes, and a, new, and a truly miserable political climate. Then he wrote, vote Biden, LOL. And, and I'm, we're going to have to have that conversation because I don't know what's funny about vote Biden, especially considering the, um, <laughs> the other options. And I said options with an S, but we'll get to that. He continued, you've shared so much of your amazing story with us that I find myself caring about you and your family as if you were actual acquaintances. A woman that braves and excels in the meat grinder of the radio and entertainment industry, solos in adoption in Kazakhstan, survives cancer, survives Florida, and still speaks truth to power as not a fearful person at her core. She's a fucking badass. Your constitution says when they come at you, you fight back. The pain of disappointment or perceived betrayal of family, friends, and acquaintances can make us build defensive walls or go on the offense before they do, before they do, in disagreement. There is a frustration in you, he writes, but there is no quit in there. When, when you feel slighted, your impulse is probably not to burn bridges, but your native fire will light those bastards right up. And then he wrote, Nicole... Be Nicole. Don't let this moment change you into something or someone else. We may piss you off at times, but we are with you. We may not always move together in lockstep, but we are willing to lift you as you lift us. Always moving forward to get there together. I am your brother in arms, an advocate, and a fan. I wish you peace, love, and growing success. I am no troll, LOL. Best wishes in regards to you and yours, Geo Deuce. P.S. I am so looking forward to Women Who Rock. Oh, my God. And I'm tearing up now. I've read this at least half a dozen times. I responded this morning because I couldn't last night. Because frankly, and I'm going to, I'm going to, as I always am, I'm going to be honest with you. After yesterday's show, I finished posting it. I did the work that I do because I, when I'm working, I'm sort of singularly focused and I, I'm, I'm able to channel my, my, my fire to what I'm working on. But I finished. And now since I'm off the air at four Arizona time, I don't, I don't run right into the kitchen to cook dinner. And because Jackson gets me up at about five in the morning, I was tired, so I went inside to lie down. 
But that's, the, that's when the problem happens. Those of you who deal with depression or, you know, life closing in on you, know this, that it's in those quiet times that your mind gets really, really loud. Hold on a second. Sorry. So my mind gets really, really loud. And I had a panic attack yesterday. I'm panicked about a lot of things right now. And I try not to let it show because I try to be a professional. But um, I did. I had a panic attack and, and David talked me down. I got it. Thank you. Talked me down and um, and I was able to, you know, pick up and, and, and I responded to my new friend, Gio, this morning. And we have had some incredible exchanges. Um, and the first thing I said to him is, oh my God, you get me like no one other than my husband does. He gets me. Except the thing that he got wrong, uh, bearing it all here, was when he said, you're, you, uh, let me find it. Um, you, you're, uh, there is frustration in you, but there is no quit in there. You have no idea how often I think of quitting. And frankly, you know, when the news gets to where it's been, doing the show is the last thing I want to do, even if I have things that I need to say. Um, there are days that I think I need to walk away, but, but again, to be honest with you, I don't bring in a lot of money from this show, but the money that comes in, I really need so I can't give it up. Um, and I don't know that I could anyway. I obviously don't do this for the money. <laughs> if it was for the money, I would have pretended to be a right winger years ago when I was offered a job in Fort Lauderdale from a, a, a station manager who said, or the owner is actually the owner who said this to me. I love you. You're talented, but I can't put you on the air with your crazy politics. Become one of us and, and you, you're on. And you've heard this story before because others have done it. So obviously I don't do it for the money, but I need the little money that comes in. And it's why, you know, I hate asking for it. But it's what I do say, if you can't afford it, please do. Please do help support the work I do because, um, yeah. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with Women Who Rock because that is kind of falling apart too. So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on in the background. But the other thing that he said in that letter, excuse me one second. Sorry, when I, when I cry, <laughs> my nose runs. Um, anyway, the other thing that he said, um, now I just lost the thought because I had to talk about nose running. Um, anyway, he said a lot of things. I wrote back a lot of stuff that I have not shared with you because I felt an immediate connection. And apparently I would love his wife as well. So, um, uh, you know, I, we, I do, we do what we need to do to get by. And, that, and that's kind of all we can do. Um, I will always be honest with you. 
as long as I'm talking into this microphone, and I think microphones are the, the biggest bullshit detectors in the world. I can always tell listening to someone when they're being disingenuous or dishonest. Um, <laughs> and Philip Collier, you know, leave it, to, leave it to the guys who said the thumbnail, Dolly Parton rocks. On today's show card, you know, I do a little graphic for each day's show. Um, there's Henry Kissinger, who finally died about time. I can think of a few others he could take with him. And um, the picture I found, I was looking for a good picture to put up on the card for today. And there was one of Henry Kissinger with Dolly Parton, and he's just staring at her boobs. That's, you know, that, that about sums him up. That and war criminal, but, you know, a war criminal doesn't really... Uh, translate it. I can't find a picture that screams wall war criminal as easily as I can find one that screams lech. So anyway, I'm just bummed that Gio and his wife doesn't live, don't live closer. They're, they're kind of far away. Um, uh, and in a place that is too cold for my husband, because here in the morning, it's like 57 degrees and, um, uh, it feels great to me, but David is like freezing in his, you know, all sweats and uh, the heat on in the house. <laughs> so, yeah, he wouldn't do well in a <clears throat> northern town. But anyway, there's that. Um, I just had to share that with you because, um, you know, I'm here for an hour, some days an hour and a half, but about an hour a day. And you get a slice of what I'm feeling. Just like, you know, something I, I told my husband once when he was waiting for, um, for a phone call. Um, and he's like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they haven't called me back. I've been, you know, I, I called them uh, yesterday. And I said, David, this is all you're doing right now. You're waiting for this call. They've got all kinds of shit going on. You don't know what else they have going on. It, it, you know, it's not. I didn't say it's not just you. It's not all about you, but you know, basically you don't know what is happening with another person. We're all trying to deal with this war in whatever way we can. Um, uh, and we're not going to agree on everything, especially on matters of war, but we can hear each other out. And, and honestly, my God, that was my, my problem with KPFK canceling me because this one woman who was a troll, sorry, she was a troll in, um, she trolled my chat room, uh, not letting on that she was a local station board member of KPFK and uh, was there trying to rile up the chat room against me and had already lobbied her friends on the local station board um, to mount a protest against me coming on board. Why? Because she doesn't like my stance on the war. That's every bit as wrong as MSNBC taking Mehdi Hassan off the air, even though I totally disagree with his stance on the war. And I um, frankly couldn't watch his coverage because I thought it was very one-sided. So look, Ali Velshi is also Muslim, also, you know, probably sympathizes. 
I, I, I don't know. You know why? Because he, he tries to stay above the fray. Every now and then something comes through and it's like, okay, I get it. But he at least attempts a balanced discussion. Um, and he, you know, I've criticized MSNBC for so long that uh, there's really not a whole lot more I can say, um, except that they're living up to everything I believed about them. Everything. They give Michael Steele a show, but they take off the real, you know. If MSNBC was supposed to be, um, um, you know, the liberal or the Democrats answer to Fox, they're sure doing it in a funny way because it's populated by all these former and sort of on hold Republicans, the never Trumper crowd. Watch Nikki Haley, watch Donald Trump, you know, get convicted on 91 charges and go to jail and, and finally, you know, I was going to say reasonable Republicans have a, you know, a, a come to Jesus moment, but there are no reasonable Republicans. Anyway, something happens and Nikki Haley winds up the nominee. Watch how quickly all of those never Trumpers on MSNBC all of a sudden return to being Republicans. I get the danger that Donald Trump poses. Oh, yes, I do. And I think Howie Klein does as well. And we're going to talk about that because he he made a, um, uh, a, a, a admitted to a revelation at downwithtyranny.com that I read about that I have to ask him about. There's other stuff to talk about, but um, um, uh, Dawn is asking, what is Nikki's real name? I don't know. It's some name. Nikki is her middle name. By the way, my name is Nicole. But when I was a kid, I was always called Nikki. I, I don't have a problem with people's names. All right. Well, I'm looking at the clock and it appears, it appears that I've uh, spoken enough and uh, taken up enough time. And, and now it's time. I could probably probably use a triple Dirty Debbie today. And, um, well, I'll leave it at that. All right. So. Uh, before I can get Howie on the phone, I've got to do this. Are you a multinational corporation hungry for a treat? Well, come on down to Schmucky Chuckies, where you'll personally be seated by Chuck Schumer himself. So many dishes, and they're all fresh. You're going to love our Blue Dog special, the Dino Burger, because we say so. A good hamburger and French fries. And every burger comes with a side order of grits. I love grits. I love anything with corn. It's corn. All for only $50,000. Wash it all down with a dirty Debbie. Nine-tenths water, one-tenth orange juice. After a week or two, you drink this, it's 200 calories and it's acetic. And wipe your mouth with a tissue print of Glass-Steagall. For dessert, try our DNC tarts. Little cookies, tell the quality of that. Most restaurants give you a mint, but at Schmucky Chuckies, you get complimentary. Sweet and low. Who picks up the tab for all this? Find out now with Howie Klein of DownWithTyranny.com on The Nicole Sandler Show. Hello, Howie Klein. Hey, Nicole. How are you? I'm, I'm uh, hanging in there. How are you? Good. Excellent. Good. So I, I just got to start here. I'm reading today downwithtyranny.com and 
Um, yes, as people should. And 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 there was a post. Um, the headline, I think it just went up today. Yep, it went up nine hours ago. Uh, 2024, not another lesser of two evils election, way beyond that. And I don't want to give away the punchline, but you made a pretty big uh, uh, statement at the end of this piece. Okay. I mean, I guess people who sort of like have been following my my personal uh, voting habits, yes, I guess it was. What, basically what I said was that uh, where as, as far as things are right now, like in other words, if the election were today, mm-hmm. I, would, I would probably hold my nose and vote for Biden, who I, who I don't like very much and don't think is any good. But this is beyond just the lesser of two evils. And, you know, although he is certainly the lesser evil, it, it, I, I, what I was trying to say is it gets way beyond that because Trump is Hitler. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's beyond the idea of a lesser evil. It's, it's so evil. It's it's like it couldn't be more evil if Satan came back to Earth. Yeah, I guess it would be a little more evil than that, <laughs> but not much more evil than that. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, but we'll see what happens. Uh, chances are, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have to vote for Biden because I live in California. Right. And California is going to go blue anyway. But but I'm just trying to leave that out of it. And um, and I'm thinking uh, you know, it's really important for Trump to lose. And the only way Trump is going to lose is if Biden wins. So people were like yelling at me today. What about Mary Ann? (laughs) And and some other person who I've never heard of before, who apparently is running (laughs) literally someone I literally never heard of. And she's running for president too. Oh, it's a she. And people are yelling at me. Why don't you vote for them? Well, the thing is, is I want to stop Trump. That's the whole idea of what I'm talking about at this moment. And uh, voting for anyone else is not going to stop Trump. No. And Marianne Williamson, you know, look, she's 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 touting. She's saying Bernie's platform and she's saying all the right things. Problem is she can't win. And any vote, uh, I forget who posted it, but really any vote for Marianne Williamson or for, uh, you know, Cornell West or RFK Jr. Oh, my God. And you can ha- you can object to them for different reasons, but each one of them would be a vote for Trump. Well, a vote for RFK Jr. It's bad enough if it's a vote for RFK yes, Jr. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, you I know, mean, I hate the idea of like lumping him into the same category right. with Marianne. Well, that's why I said you uh, could say, do that for different reasons, but <laughs> but yeah, no, RFK Jr. is batshit fucking crazy. Yeah. And and Marianne is is Marianne. She's what she is. Yep. And she has she's you know. But remember the difference between Marianne and those other people is that Marianne is running in a Democratic primary. I I have no doubt that if Marianne loses that primary, she will uh, she will endorse and and support um, Biden. Joe Biden. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> well, she will. But 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 on the other hand, uh, these other crazy people, they're they're running to take votes away from uh, Joe Biden. That's right. Yeah. And and uh, to what end? And, and, you know, and now the, the latest media. Well, JFK Jr. wants to be vice president. So RFK that's, that's Jr. Right. JFK Jr. unfortunately died. But RFK Jr. Right. He wants to be vice president. Trump's vice president. Yes, that's what he oh, wants yeah, to be. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I my my head's about to explode with that one. I just can't. Um, Never heard that before? Uh, no, no. Oh, they're 
we've been talking about that for some time now. Uh, I don't know that, that Trump would do that, and some right-wingers have already like been screaming about it because he, he he's pro-choice, and then he no. walked back his pro-choice thing to try to accommodate them of, of being like a little pro-choice instead of very pro-choice. But, uh, you know, I, I, Trump will do what Trump wants to do. He thinks he can do anything, and it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know that he's made up his mind yet. He may, he may have. He's not going to tell me if he has. But, uh, you know, I think that RFK Jr. is like one of, one of his top, um, top considerations. Wow. Wow. I like this. For, I, I said I'm not going to look at the chat, and I still do. Um, Ford Country wrote, I'd vote for RFK Sr. before I'd vote for RFK Jr. Yeah, he's been dead for 55 years, but he'd still do a better job. Well, I agree with whoever uh, left that in your chat room. Yes. Yeah, I I agree, too. Um, And I used to respect RFK Jr. I guess it just shows that people can go off the deep end. You know, he's done a lot of good work on on climate issues and other things. But he's oh, and that was another thing that the right wing has brought up. And he's he's disassociated. He's he's disassociated himself from a lot of the climate stuff now. Oh, my God. Trying to make it possible for Trump to um, to appoint him. Okay, I, yeah, there there are some things that are just you know that you can't wrap your brain around. That's one that I can't. Um, but there's this there's this right wing fascination with the candidates. Remember the whole um, JFK yeah. Jr. isn't dead, and 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 uh, Senior is going to come back to Dallas, and I mean all the the the, the nut jobs are just coalescing around the Kennedy name. Yeah, well, the right-wing nutjobs are right-wing nutjobs. Right. No, do anything and say anything. It doesn't matter. You know, you know it's funny. I, I knew RFK Jr. I, I was very, very young, but I worked for him. Uh, I'm sorry, not RFK Jr., RFK. Oh, Robert Bobby. Kennedy. Right. I worked for Robert Kennedy. I was, I was just a kid, and I, got a, and I worked for him as his elevator operator uh, in his, during his Senate campaign in New York. And um, I got to know him because... He would ride in the elevator and he would he would talk a little bit, not much, but he would talk a little bit. But when I was taking him up and down in the elevator with other people in the elevator, in other words, his campaign manager and other staffers, they would talk as though I were a piece of furniture. Right. So I really got to hear them a lot. And the thing is, I wound up liking him. I didn't really like him very much from, um, you know, I, re- I read about him and I wasn't crazy about him because he had been a, a McCarthy guy. Right. A Joe McCarthy guy. And. And I was interested to see how he had changed, and he had changed. And, uh, and I kind of, from hearing him in the elevator, you know, for months, I got, got to feel that he was, um, he was for real and he wasn't making believe. Yeah, I was too young to know, but, um, you know, obviously everything I've read is like, why do they, they, they take out the good ones? You know? That's why. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the, 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 the flip side of that, some just hang on way too long. And finally, finally, Kissinger kicks yesterday at 100. Yeah. Um, do you have any Henry Kissinger stories? No. Oh, okay. I guess that's why. I, I mean, you know, like everybody my age, uh, no, I shouldn't say everybody, but everyone who I know my age, we were, you know, we were restraining ourselves from... Uh, um, you know, when someone dies, they're dead, and, and you know, you don't want to be dying. No, I know. I know, so, but there's uh, been a lot of it. When, uh, sorry, he was 100. 
he lived a good long, well, no, a good, but a long life. Uh-huh. And at a hundred, okay, it's time. And, and, you know, there are people who said, oh, I thought he died 20 years ago. No. Uh, and he's, you know, I, I, it's hard. It's funny. The, the coverage of his death ranged from former secretary of state and great American to finally, you know, war criminal dies. Um, there was Although a lot there of was in a between. Good one about uh, how close he, he has been with the Biden administration. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, well, that's sad. Uh, but yes, well, because th- this country and our government is great at rehabilitating war criminals. Uh, you know, George W. Bush. People forget yeah. we have very we have very short memories here in the United States. Maybe it's all the marijuana we're smoking. Yeah, I mean, it's marijuana is it can be part of it, but I think you know um, the internet is a much bigger thing. That yeah. that's that's really screwed up all of our minds, and the COVID epidemic did that too, or pandemic. Uh, you know, <laughs> so there were there were a, a whole bunch of things that have affected affected our minds. But I, I really think that you know, I I mean, I noticed that people had better minds <laughs> before before the internet. Um, I actually paid, I, and it was not a little bit. I had to pay some real money to not have, um, uh, you know, like a mapping component in my car. I just didn't want that in my car. The navigation I, I, thing, yes, right? I mean, I, I, I noticed that, you know, when I was a kid, I knew all, the fo- all my friends' phone numbers. Now I don't know anyone's phone no, number. No, because they're in your I phone. I don't know my own phone number anymore. Right, Because right. all you have to do is press a button now, so why bother to know a phone number? I like the idea that I can drive anywhere I want to go without even looking at a map. I have younger friends who don't, who don't even know what that means. Right. You know, in other words, you get in the car and you put on the map or, or whatever. Or what is that called again? I'm using Navigation. Navigation. GPS. Yeah. I mean, literally, people who I'm close with wouldn't even think about going anywhere without putting on their navigation. Right. And, and I, I paid to have to not have that <laughs> in my car. My car came with it, and I said, will it, will it be cheaper if I don't have it? And they looked at me and they said, no, it'll be more expensive if you don't have it. Right, because I had to take it out, right? Yeah. Yep. So wow. I said, fine, take it out. I don't <laughs> want it. I rely on it. And, and especially like when you move to a new city, look, without it here in the Phoenix area, I'd be, I'd be lost, literally. So well, you'd have to learn it. I would have to learn it. But do you rem- I remember back in the old days, like when I first got to L.A., there, was, there were no cell phones in the olden days. We, we had the Thomas Guide. Remember the Thomas Guide? I literally have a Thomas Guide in my car. Well, of course and I haven't you touched it, but Roland's found it rooting around in the back of my car the other day. Roland found the Thomas Guide, and he said, this is probably an heirloom. You're probably the last person right. on, on earth who has this thing. You know, it's the Thomas Guide and encyclopedias. You know, when we left Florida, we left a lot of stuff there. But uh, in one of the bedrooms, which was David's son's bedroom when he was a kid, there was a full set of world book encyclopedias. And I'm like, what do we do with these? I can't just throw them away. I mean, I made I made boxes out of a couple of them, like stash boxes, where you, you glued the pages <laughs> together and cut out the middle. Nobody wants them. You can't even like sell them at thrift stores. If you really? go on, yeah, you go on eBay. It's like a, you can get a set of encyclopedias for 10 bucks or for free. Wow. Because they're not, they're worth, first of all, 
they're outdated, right? And there's they're huge. It's a it's a like a whole library, <laughs> twenty six volume encyclopedias, and they're they take up space, and you can get all that more up to date on your cell phone that you carry around if you need to know yeah. anything. Well, you would think that some people like you know like the way they look. Uh, like well, in a library. Yeah. Or, or, well, they are cool yeah. looking, which is why I made, I took one, I made a box out of the letter A <laughs> and I brought it with me. Um, and you never know what you can find in there. So I have that. The rest we just left. I have like, you know, bookshelves in my house with hundreds and hundreds of books. And it's not likely I'm going to be, I, they're all not, I shouldn't say they're all books, but almost all books I've read and it's not likely I'm going to reread them. Right. But it just looks nice. The bookshelves look nice. Yes. And the, the books look nice. I like And them. there are certain books you want to hold on to. But that, that, that's nothing new. That's not an internet thing. I have an embarrassing story um, about just that. Um, Ray Davies of the Kinks, right? I had yes. done an interview with him. He took a liking to me. We, we, I wound up interviewing him again, and he invited me to dinner. So we went out to dinner. One night in L.A. And then we came back to my house. Uh, I had to go home. I had a dog. I don't know if you remember Sandy. So I had to, you know, I had to walk her and let her out. And I loaded Ray up with CDs because at the time I was music director of a radio station, a bunch of stuff he hadn't heard yet. And then he saw my bookshelves, which were around like I had a, a, a window seat and these cool built in bookshelves that I had tons of books on, some of which I had read and some of which I hadn't. And he started like picking out books. He's like, oh, how was that one? I'm like, oh, I didn't read that one. Uh, what about this one? I said, well, well, I haven't read that one yet either, but I'm, I'm planning. It, it's like every book he pointed to, I hadn't read. It was like, mm. oh, yes. Um, so that was my embarrassing book moment with, uh, with Ray Davies. Might be I why thought, I never saw him again. I thought you were going to say that since you were giving him um, CDs, he would thought you would give him books as well. I would have. I would have. If he wanted any of them, I would have given it to him. I, I, I literally, he probably left my house with 20 CDs. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they've got a new, like a new retrospective coming out. He and Dave together, um, and they're, uh, they've remastered some of the old songs. And I'm like, okay, gotta, I got to have, have Ray back on my show. Well, he's not doing any interviews. Oh, come on. And, and I'm sure you said we're personal friends. We are. I'm like, ask him. I bet he'll remember me. <laughs> sure he will from 30 years ago. Of course. Right. I L.A. radio person. Anyway, um, uh, speaking of the music industry, uh, it, you know, we lost another one. Did you w work closely with Phil Q? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we knew, yeah, we knew each other pretty well. Um, the thing about Phil Q that was important to me and, and the reason that we had dinner recently was because um, Phil Q used to give uh, a million-dollar check to City of Hope, the cancer hospital ah. in L.A. And every year he would give them a million-dollar check of, of Warner Brothers money. Uh, you know, we had a certain budget for charities. And every year he would sign my name as and his name and, uh, and a couple of other people's names. So they, they would come to them with, like, four signatures on it. And so then I didn't know that. I, I wasn't even aware of that. Wow. He, I knew he was giving the million dollars. I didn't know he was signing my name to it. 
And then um, when I wound up being a patient there, I very quickly noticed, like on the first day, that they were really treating me very differently than they were treating other people. <laughs> so I remember like uh, I was waiting, for example, for, for, for kind of a long time. Mm-hmm. And there were these people with me who couldn't really speak English and they, uh, they were really freaked out. And, you know, it was a family and it was their first day there, just like mine. And they were, you know, kind of near hysteria. And then um, someone came to take me to basically to the front of the line and I was thinking, well, what about these people? They really need some help, uh, but they didn't get the help. I just got the help. And, and all along the whole years that I was there, any time I needed anything, there would be somebody there for me, especially if I asked, but even when I didn't ask. And then when it came to um, when I had a, like, you know, you know, it was mostly outpatient uh, treatment for cancer, but at a certain point, it was in the hospital, uh, and they they... So I'm going, to, I'm going to take a little detour for a second. So my boss, who is certainly a lot richer than me, uh, had, he had been my boss. He was retired as well, as, as, as was I. He, he got very sick as well, but he was in a different hospital, Cedar sinai which is supposed to be the hospital in L.A. Right. Um, and I remember when I went to visit him, he had a tiny little cramped room with full of equipment, and I mean, it was hard to even squeeze in and sit sit down and talk to him. It was it was an awful situation, horrifying to me, because my situation at City of Hope was a two bathroom suite with a kitchen with, oh, wow. with two bedrooms. Oh wow! Uh, you know, so anyone who wanted to stay over, and many friends came and did stay over. Uh-huh. They had their own bedroom, their own bathroom. Wow! Wow, that's incredible. Yes, and that and 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 that's the kind of treatment that I got. And I eventually figured out that the reason I was getting that treatment was because of, of those checks that every year that Phil oh. Q gave them. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, Phil Q, for those who don't know, he was, he was Warner Brothers, but wasn't he at Virgin? He was in a lot of different labels. Uh, uh, you know, so there were a lot of places that he worked o- over time. By, by the end, he wasn't really working in the music business anymore. Uh, and he had, uh, he had kind of fall, relative, he had f- relatively fallen on high, high, hard times. You know, uh, he and his wife were divorced. Yeah. He, there was problems of who was going to take care of the kids. There, you know, both of them wanting to do that. Uh, and there was, um, you know, we lose a lot of money in a divorce always, especially <laughs> yes, in a place like California where it's yes. automatically, uh, you got to give up half your, half your wealth. And, um, and, and he made some bad investments. And when, when I saw, I wanted to take him out to dinner uh, to thank him for, for the City of Hope situation. <laughs> I mean, they literally, the, 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 places, the place where they put me, they, is usually, they usually put like ki- kings and princes there. You know, people, and they put me there. Right? Right. <laughs> and didn't know why <laughs> anyway, I wanted oh, to thank Phil, so I, I took him out to dinner. And, uh, and we hadn't been really much in touch. Uh, you know, basically, I called him a few times to thank him for how wonderful everything was going at City of Hope. And that was it. And, and this gave us a, a, a chance to catch up more. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he had made some bad investments and really yeah. was down to uh, not having a whole bunch of money. Oh, that's sad. And, and he's just, he just I'm died. I'm not trying to say that he was, like, he was Destitute. poor and looking right. for food. Was right. Not that kind of thing. But it was like for someone who had you know, been making millions of dollars a year for many, many years, 
he was uh, he was not uh, doing great. Yeah. Well, you, we see how quickly you know life can turn on a on a dime. Uh, it's yeah, happen- the, happened to a lot of us. Some of some of my uh, colleagues in who were making you know when they're making lots and lots of money instead of like kind of thinking well I should really invest this money so I can live off the uh, off the interest in the future they would just you know leverage it. Yeah. And live yeah. it to their eyeballs. So they would, I mean, almost all of the people, not all of them, but almost all of the people who were my colleagues bought houses that were way, way bigger than mine. And I'm thinking, how are they doing that? I'm making more money than, than this one or that one. Right. And yet they've got like a, you know, a house that's three times bigger than mine. And all the, you know, and flying on private planes and stuff like that. And I just, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I never did that. Never, 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 and didn't want to. Right. And uh, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's all relative, but I feel like I have like a kind of like a, you know, like a a, a home that a family would have, not yeah. a home that a king would have. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I and get it. And some of these people, uh, you know, wound up uh, years later coming to me and try and asking if if they could borrow money. Yeah. Yeah, that and that's kind of awkward. <laughs> very much yeah. so. Very, very yeah. much so. I hear you. So, Howie Klein, um, I watched a little bit of the uh, going back to politics for just a moment. The debate oh, yes. today, <laughs> um, George Santos. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen it to, yet, um, you need to see today's show card because George Santos is doing your finger point, um, but in the other direction. Well, it's from your from your website. It's one of. Uh, one of the uh, pictures from there. And then Henry Kissinger, of course, is represented on there too today. Um, but anyway, so George Santos, they debated again the resolution to have him expelled. Um, they did sort of a, a voice vote that then he asked for the uh, A's and A's. And I guess that's happening tomorrow. So yeah. did you did you see when him and Max Miller fighting? No. It's so great. I mean, Max Miller is a young guy. He was like Trump's roadie. And based on the fact that he was Trump's roadie, he wound up getting a uh, uh, get, becoming a congressman from oh, some random district in Ohio. So he's I think he's a freshman now. And, and he and um, he and he's, he's, he and Santos haven't gotten along. They, they've they've had some harsh words between them over the over time. I have some some people have told me that they think what, what the reason is. But I don't know for sure. Oh, is he the guy who got up and only had 15 seconds and said that he's a criminal and he needs to go? Yes. Oh, I did see that. I did see that. Was uh, you're a a woman beater and and, uh, hypocrite. (laughs) Right. I did see that. Oh, my God. I didn't know his name. That's what. Yes, I have. And the thing is, is it was true. It it is a well-known. It is well-known that uh, Max Miller was a, a woman beater. Oh, my God. Boiled rich kid. Very, very wealthy Cleveland family, lots and lots of money, and can do anything he wants. And uh, you know, a, a woman, uh, you know, who turned him down for something, he uh, he punched her. Great. And then yeah. there's yeah, and then there's George Santos, who never uh, told a story that wasn't that that was true. I guess. Yes, yeah. he's he's claiming that he's that tomorrow he's going to go to the. Um, to the ethics committee with a list of, of people that he's going to demand that they investigate. 
Okay. Ay, ay, ay. It's such, it's, it's just a bad joke over there. I mean, it really it is. And it, he was saying, by the way, that he's been asked to do, he, he's been asked to do documentaries and he's, <laughs> he's turned them down. He's writing a book, he says, uh-huh. but, and I want to know, has, has anyone asked him to, if he would do a musical? Because he would never turn that down. I can guarantee you. Right. In drag. Because he hasn't oh, turned that oh, down oh. either. <laughs> well, of course. Of course. I, I was hoping that his, on his last day, which I guess will be tomorrow, he'll come in drag and say, you know, how do you like this, boys? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I've got <laughs> really a story. I've got a story that you may not have yet um, from oh, today. It's, it's from Florida. Here's the headline. Florida you, Republican. You have a good Florida story, yeah. which is the Gates-McCarthy fight. Okay, this is not that. Okay. Florida Republican oh, chair. Yeah, I'll tell mine after. Christian Ziegler, who is the husband. Oh, I have that one too. I love co- it. Oh, co-founder <laughs> of Moms for Liberty, accused of sexual battery by alleged menage a trois lover. <laughs> right. So, so this guy and his wife uh, were having sex with another woman. Oh, my God. Uh, over a long period of time. And then she's now accusing him of raping her because he wanted it again and she didn't want to do it. <laughs> so that's going to be a tough one for him uh, to, uh, I mean, it shouldn't be, but it'll be a tough one, especially in Florida for him to prove. So the other, the other thing was, um, so Florida has a very large Republican delegation. Yes. But the thing is, is that they don't get along with each other. Right. So because of that, they don't really have the power like of a Texas uh, delegation, or even the California Republican delegation, the the Georgia Republican delegation, they have a lot of power, whereas the Florida one doesn't, because they're all fighting with each other and they can't get it, make anything happen. So, there, so poli- I think it was Politico decided to do a story on that, and they asked uh, McCarthy what he thought and what he thought of the Florida delegation. He took the opportunity immediately <laughs> to say, "Well, it's all different kinds of people. You have serious people, and then you have uh, someone like uh, Gates who belongs in prison." So Gates Gates, um, struck back, Uh, you know, Gates is, you know, far wittier and and funnier than um, than McCarthy's a bit of a dullard. And, you know, he could say something like, well, he belongs in prison, whereas um, Gates said, you know, uh, he's, you know, um, oh, you know what, I should read it. Never mind. (laughs) I'm not, I won't be able to find it. But uh, yes, he said something to the effect of, um, he, he, you can't trust him. He goes up behind somebody and punches them in the back. And I've never been accused of, uh, of hitting anybody. Uh, uh, Wait, Gates said that about his, McCarthy. Um, okay. Right. His weak, um, his weak ego, something like that. Okay. Um, I'm using all the wrong words, but, uh, you get the point. The gist of it. And we can go read it. By the way, you do have a new blue America candidate that you've endorsed from Ohio. Is he going up against the guy, the wife beater? No, he's not. He's going up in a much more difficult district. Uh, He's going up a guy, a guy named Troy Balderson. Our guy is named uh, Jared Christian. Right. And he's taking on, he's taking on a a very, very tough district, but he feels, um, he feels that the district is ready for a change and that he can, uh, he can, he can get across. He was born, he was born there. It's, It's kind of like a, it's like, the, it's it's made up of the bits and pieces of all the uh, of all the districts around it. it the district doesn't make sense. There's a suburb here and an exurb here and a bunch of rural Appalachia over there, and it, it just 
there's like five different media markets. There's no city in the district. It's just like a big blob of nothing. It's a very large district and it's pretty red. Um, but he, he's lived in all different parts of the district. He, he said he was, you know, born really, really poor in the Appalachian part of the district. And he lived there as a kid. And then he went, he went to the army, no, the Navy, he was in the Navy and that sort of redid his whole life. And he's now a software, software engineer and he's doing, he's doing pretty well in life. He's, you know, married recently and has a child and he's coming along pretty good. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, yeah, and he wants to give back to, to you know, the, the area where he was born. Well, that's nice. Yeah, um, and he's, you know, I mean, you know, we even talked about the fact that he would be taking, like, a significant pay cut if he if he does this thing. And, and you know, and that's a consideration. He's, you know, got a, a, a young kid. Uh, but and, but you know, uh, he, he uh, wants to do this. Members of Congress don't, you know, aren't aren't hurting financially. No, but they don't make what software engineers right, do. Right, I guess. I, boy, I went into the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll when you went into this business, there were no software engineers. No, that, that's very true. That's very true. And I, and I didn't want to have to study in college, so I worked at the radio station, you know. <laughs> Play music, right, go to concerts. By the way, speaking of concerts, do you know there's a place here, like in, in Scottsdale, the... the um, Musical Instrument Museum. Are you familiar with this? No. The MIM. Apparently it's world famous and they have like a 300 seat theater and they have a bunch of artists coming. One of them in January might yes, be February, yes. January. Ricky Lee Jones. All right. How wonderful. Yeah. So we'll tell you know me. <laughs> if I see if I get to go. It's uh, yeah. With the 300 seat theater. Um, yeah, tickets may be out of my price range, but but still, I've heard this place is great, and they've got a lot of other artists coming that I like, whose tickets are much cheaper, like Marcone. Um, there's a there's a very quirky singer songwriter named Nellie Mackay who I really like. So maybe oh. some of those will go to. Yeah, but wouldn't you want to have Ricky Lee do a guest? I would love you? that. Well, if if you want to, I met her once you know, a million years ago at a radio thing. Um, but yeah, she doesn't know me from Adam. Um, uh, but yeah, if you want to make an intro, that'd be awesome. I would love to go, but. Uh, can you um, send me an, an email that I could then send? So it's an email to me, but I'll send it to her, Okay. you know, and, and explaining the, what, what the show is. Okay. So I don't, you know, sort of botch up. Oh, uh, botch. absolutely. I will. You okay. should come in for it, be, it because what I'm a not treat talking that about would our be. show. I'm talking about your right. um, your women, music, women yeah, music, women who music rock. Show. Which is, yeah. uh, hopefully that's still working. It's a long story, but yeah, hopefully it's going to happen. We are not. It's sort of on shaky ground right now. But but I'll tell you all about it anyway. Okay. Okay. Howie Klein, um, but we, we sort of fell off the edge here. Um, as always, find him at downwithtyranny.com when you're there. Go to the Blue America PAC page and support these candidates because, yes, it's important that we keep Trump out of office, but we also need to get Republicans out of control of the House because we see what they do uh, with their time. We're going to have a shutdown after. So they, we're, we're good through the end of the year. And then in January, it uh, looks like they're going to shut it down or this, this uh, new speaker will be uh, on his last legs, too. Yep, probably both. Both. So we got that to look forward to. All right. Howie, as always, thank you. Uh, we'll do it again next Thursday. And um, and yeah, 
Thank you. Talk to you then. Okay. Bye. Bye. Howie Klein, everyone. Um, yeah. <sighs> All right. Oh, we're done for today. Tomorrow is Friday. Marcy Wheeler Day on the show. So we will have a lot to uh, to talk about. Um, ah, and I love this. New Paul says, I had never heard Peter Himmelman until yesterday's show. Where was I in the 90s? Great music. As always, Nicole turned me on to more great music. Beneath the Damage and the Dust. Great album. Impermanent Things is, uh, it's a song that just gives me goosebumps. Peter Himmelman is is a great artist, and and not not enough people know him. And still, you know, thirty years after I first met him and saw him and um, played his music on the radio, he's still making great music. He probably wouldn't like me to just say because he's a great musician on his own. He's from Minneapolis, married to one of Bob Dylan's daughters. Yes, Bob is his father-in-law. Just a just a just an, another interesting factoid about the great Peter Himmelman. All right, I'll have to have him back on the show one of these days. All right, with that we're done. Uh, I'm going to go start reading up at EmptyWheel.net because you know I've got to be on my toes when I talk to Marcy Wheeler. I, I I pride myself that I'm able to keep up with her in that I know some things, but you know to ask her the right questions. All right. Um, Love you all. Thank you for listening. As always, thank you for supporting the work because without it, I can't continue. And um, we'll talk tomorrow. Peace out, everyone.